The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino presents Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix or at bellford.com. Verizon Wireless, this is 5G done right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Pick up any of our award-winning sauces on the way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, home of Bar Canada, a north-of-the-border home, Las Vegas style. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, ultra-smooth, Arizona-owned. Behind the mask, whether on the ice or in line, we are the Valley's headquarters for all of your hockey needs. Check us out at BehindTheMask.com. By M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Summer Skates, get your personalized shower shoes and koozies at IcetimeHockeySW.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Zach Bondurant. All right, welcome in professional hockey fans and hockey fans in general that might be listening to us anywhere that you can on the uh, Podbean app. We are live every Monday night, 7.30 p.m. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Las Vegas, the uh, soon-to-be home for us for a week as we prepare to uh, take the show on the road and do some great things in Vegas. Scott Strandy joining you tonight from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, as always, Zach Mondorant, joining me from Chandler, Arizona. And uh, not only is my co-host, he's my photographer extraordinaire. Uh, more of his great work was put on display this weekend. So if you've been to the website, check it out, or Instagram, or uh, Twitter, or Facebook, wherever you need to go. So, Zach, congratulations on another great weekend. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, just uh, getting back out there was... Uh... It felt good. You know, I sound like one of the players. I didn't do anything but shoot a shoot a camera, but um, <laughs> it felt really cool. It was, uh, it was, it. You know, I played the game for twenty something years, and you know, it was one of my passions. And now my passion is photography, and it just felt, uh, it felt really good to be back and you know, shooting and, and being close to the game. So it was a really great experience, and um, I think we got. We got some more stuff coming up for them, so um, yeah, they'll look, hopefully the the fans listening are going to be looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I think they will. I, I know they love seeing your work, and uh, that's one thing about having a background in hockey. When you're shooting hockey, you kind of know uh, when the the puck's going to reach the goaltender, or when a guy might shoot the puck, or you know, because that's so important to be able to get the puck in the shots most of the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it helps to know the game that you shoot. Um, you know, even if like when you shoot football, you know, you kind of you kind of have to get back in tune with it if you don't watch all the time. So it's just like hockey. The one thing the difference is, though, is uh, the restrictions that you have within that cutout on the ice or the uh, the glass. So you really got to be on your toes. You got to pay attention to the to the play. Um, and it's just such a fun sport to, to photograph. And it's absolutely my favorite. So, like I said, I, I got a good feeling that. Uh, the over the next few weeks our fans are going to be seeing a lot more photos so um you know just keeping our fingers crossed and and uh hopefully hopefully it'll go through totally agree with you and speaking of fun two fun things going on we are two days away from the uh the very first game of 2021 of that 56 game schedule and secondly Big news from the Arizona Coyotes uh, this morning. I was awoken about 7.30 with a text message from somebody that I trust. And uh, he said Shane Doan's going to be announced as the uh, chief hockey development officer. And my first thought was, yay. My second thought was, what is a chief hockey development officer? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, everybody's wondering what that is. It, it's a... Uh, it's an upgraded ambassador role is what I would say, but a yeah. lot of, a lot of uh, experience from Shane Doan is going to be fed to everybody in the organization as to what you do to do it right. Because if there's anybody that, uh, as they say, the quote is uh, from the, uh, 
the Arizona Coyotes, he truly embodies everything that this organization has stood for and will continue to stand for. So that alone tells you uh, the value of a Shane Doan uh, in your organization. He he knows the game. He's played the game. He's worked uh, with the NHL now in, in the uh, the front office type things. So he understands that, that a little bit as well. So uh, very well-rounded. A lot of people are disappointed that he wasn't named head coach. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's ever going to come because I'm not sure that's what he wants to do. But uh, whatever he does, he's going to be successful because when you have that skill set, that mindset, and that personality, it's hard not to succeed. So congratulations to Shane Doan coming home. And uh, actually, he's staying home, folks. He's lived right here in Scottsdale for 25 years. He's not coming home. He is home. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's also another thing too. It when he's he's the face of the organization. He may not be playing anymore, but he's definitely the face of the organization. He's been here since the start. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's anybody better to to continue to be the face of the organization. And I'm sure he'll be out in the community events helping raise awareness. Um, you know, the one thing that I think. Uh, I noticed the most when he played the alumni game for the professional women's league that was out here um, last March. Uh, you know, he took his time and signed every single autograph for everybody that was in that line. So um, there's nobody else who could do that job better than him. Um, and yeah, he, he gets to stay home. And uh, in a, I don't know exactly when his son's going to be heading to ASU, but. Uh, I'm sure he'll, he wanted to also stay to uh, to see his son come out and play for the Sun Devils as well. Well, Josh might be sooner rather than later because uh, he had a hat trick the other night, his first uh, USHL <laughs> hat trick. So who knows when he's coming. I think they have him projected a couple of years, maybe three years down the road because he's, he's still pretty young. But he has yeah. filled out immensely, looks a lot like his dad on the ice. Uh, I'm told he has softer hands. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that's, a, that's a little big at the captain on that one. But, but uh, yeah, we, we will all look forward to having uh, uh, Josh Doan in a, uh, a pitchfork uniform very, very soon. Um, I know uh, you, you know about the pitchfork and uh, what they did uh, to Notre Dame yesterday, which is a good thing. They're 5 9 and 2 right now, uh, deviating a little bit off of professional hockey right now. But. Um, the Sun Devils are, are still there. They're hanging around, right? They have to go on a little bit of a run. They got a great performance from Justin Robbins last night, his first collegiate start, his first collegiate win, something I know made you very, very happy. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Robbins. I think he's I think he's an excellent goalie. I like the way he plays. He he's uh he's in the smaller size of goalies, but he's very fast, very wiry, he's all over the place. Reminds me a lot of Jonathan Quick. Um, and I mean, we all know what he did for that Los Angeles organization and, and two Stanley cups and backing them to those, um, I believe playoff MVP, the first Stanley cup that they won as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I, I hopefully he starts getting some more time in the net. Um, you know, I think he definitely earned it with, uh, playing how he did yesterday, only three in on a really tough Notre Dame team, uh, a team that that beat Michigan uh, that earlier in the season put a whooping on ASU. So, um, you know, it's Notre Dame's a good team. And the fact that he was able to go out and, and they only got three on him and ASU scored five, I think that shows a lot of, you know, the trust that they have in him and, and how good he can be. Okay, so here's what we got planned over the next three weeks. The, uh, the show tonight uh, dedicated to the uh, Arizona Coyotes. If anybody has seen or has not seen, get to our YouTube channel at Icetime SW or onto the website and uh, see the video uh, of our Sunday Sunday special presented by Bell Ford that we just put up. Uh, it's part one. Part two is the Vegas Golden Knights next Sunday night. And part three will be the Colorado Avalanche the following Sunday night. So as games get started this week, it's a great way to uh, to introduce you to some of the new players, some of the new things. So Seth Askelson and I, our beat reporter, sat down and, and talked it over. Uh, we're going to kind of rehash that tonight, get a little deeper in, into uh, what's going on and and uh, who's going to be the difference makers and uh, how the Arizona Coyotes will fare. And then we'll do the same thing over the next couple of weeks. So that's something to look forward to. I also tease the fact that 
Um, we're trying something different. We're going on the road. We're going to our host hotel, the uh, D Las Vegas. Uh, Paul and I will be there Friday night. Uh, we'll be there all the way through Wednesday. Uh, Paul leaves Wednesday. I'll be there till Thursday to make sure we do all the shows. We're also going to mess around with uh, a little Instagram Live. Is that what they call it, Zach? Instagram Live or Instagram TV or what is that called? Yeah, Instagram Live. That'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see you and Paul <laughs> trying to horse around <laughs> with that one. <laughs> well, we are trying to lure you up there as well. Uh, I'm working and reaching out to the the. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights to see if we can put you to work uh, getting some photos and, and have you up there for our show on, on Monday. However, if that does not happen and you're not there, we will have you on, uh, of course, uh, via the podcast as we always do. So you're not getting out of it, buddy. One way or the other, we're going to keep you locked in. I didn't think you were. So whatever whatever it takes. Yeah, if we get up to Vegas yeah. and, and the Golden Knights open those pearly gates and let me in, I will be there in a second. Well, they're they're going to have uh, a game on, uh, let's see, let me get this straight now. It is Monday night and Wednesday night uh, with the uh, Arizona Coyotes in Vegas. Then they'll come back and do two with the Vegas and Arizona back here. So there's some opportunities, and we're going to continue to push and see if we can't uh, get the best photographer in the business in the building. Fair enough? I like, yeah, I like it. I, I I got a good feeling. I've got a good feeling. All right, we're gonna we're gonna keep pushing, see what happens. Uh, Seth is gonna join us here in just a minute, as I said, to uh, to give us his uh, feedback on what he saw. I know you saw some things with the Arizona Coyotes too, obviously right at the glass taking pictures. But what what impressed you, or who impressed you on the Arizona Coyotes roster that uh, scrimmage Friday night, Zach? Um. I mean, to be honest, uh, Aiden Hill, I think I think he played pretty well. You know, uh, from what I understand, I thought the first in the first period, the uh, the black team got a goal, but apparently it was called no goal. Of course, it is a scrimmage. so There's no reviewing. But I think Hill showed uh, had a good showing. Um, I think the thing that surprised me more was the people who weren't there. Um, I actually was expecting Barrett Hayden to be uh, to be on the ice. Um, I know I saw uh, I saw the last name Hayden on a jersey, and you had that, been that's Hayden. That, yeah, and I, he skated by real and quick. Not Hayden. <laughs> yeah, he skated by, and I was like, "Holy smoke!" Scott was right. You don't even recognize the kid. And then I saw the name again. I was like, "Okay, all right, that that's actually not him." But um, yeah, I mean, I think that was uh, I think that was kind of the big surprise is the people who weren't there, which was uh, Hayden and uh, and Ranta and Kemper. But um, yeah, I mean, the one thing I think that this uh, I think this year maybe maybe tough for the Coyotes, and I was looking at it today and a lot of the mocks of the draft, and you know, I think the one thing that's playing in for them is that top ten of prospects is really good. So uh, not saying they're going to have a bad season, but if they have a good season, it's kind of a win-win. They have a good season. They can kind of break out, uh, get this new, this new generation going with, uh, with Armstrong, get his new regime going. Um, you have uh, Kessel back who, who seemed healthy. It looked like he was wincing a little bit as he skated. Um, now I don't necessarily know if that's just how he skates, um, Phil Kessel's kind of an enigma. He's 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 a different player. He's a different kind of guy. So, um, you know, that may just be how he skates. Um, so it'll be interesting. And, and if not, then they get to they get to get a top ten pick potentially and uh, get a really good player to set themselves up for the future. So uh, I think it'll be an interesting season. I think it could go either way. The Coyotes can come out and uh, guns blazing and put up a good show, or it could. It could be a, a year where they they're in that building process, right? They're 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 gathering pieces, they're making moves, and they're getting stronger. I totally agree. A couple of things that stood out to me, Zach, was uh, the new ninety-one, if you want to call him that, Drake Kajula. Uh, I like the fact that they went out and got him because putting him and Nick Schmaltz together, who were teammates at the University of North Dakota, uh, won a national championship together. Um, I, I think they're going to be really, really good together. I also like the uh, the former New York Islander that we stole from Paul Hornstein in Derek Broussard. I thought he looked pretty good. 
And uh, I'm dying to see Barrett Hayton like you, and I'm also dying to see uh, Victor Soderstrom, who I see is on the roster as we speak today. I don't know if there's more cuts coming. Uh, it's unusual this year because there'll be a taxi squad of players that can be pulled up if they need be. So there's a bunch of different things uh, to, to, to happen this year that probably wouldn't happen in other times. So let's take a quick break, Zach. Let's come back and bring on our beat reporter from the Arizona Coyotes, Seth Askelson, in about three minutes. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. If you live in the Valley, you know that there are no shortage of options when it comes to eating Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste combined with a fair price and a relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos, which are served all day, to the combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. All right, and speaking of Burrito Express, uh, free burritos this morning between 8 and 11, so I was able to make it over to the Scottsdale location and, and pick up my uh, free breakfast burrito and made it a combo, got some beans and rice with it and a drink. So um, that that's a little plug for Burrito Express, by the way, folks. This is uh, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, Scott Strandy, Zach Bondurant, and we are pleased to bring on our uh, Coyotes beat reporter and uh, Coyotes and Roadrunners extraordinaire, Seth Askelson. Seth, how are you tonight? I'm doing really well. How about yourselves? We are doing great. Anything happening with the Arizona Coyotes, or is it just kind of ho-hum, nothing big? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it, it depends on what you're asking, right? I mean, on the ice, it's kind of business as usual, obviously, waivers today. Um, really, the only surprising name on waivers, from what I could tell, was Dryden Hunt. Uh, maybe that's just a... a you know, obviously, if you're going to send a guy down or, you know, put him on waiver or put him on the taxi squad, got to put him through waivers. So, um, obviously, they didn't like what they saw to Dryden Hunt, at least in terms of making the opening night roster. But I also, I think part of that's just making room for Barrett Hayden. But, I mean, off the ice, Shane Doan coming back, I mean, that just kind of overshadows everything that was done today. I was able to make the uh, press or the Zoom conferences with uh, Rick Tockett, Albrecht and Larson, and Barrett Hayton. Um, and then a little bit later in the day, obviously, was the Shane Doan Zoom conference. Unable to make that one just due to a meeting for myself. But even in that, you know, with Coach Tockett and and with OEL and with Hayden, I mean, mo most of the questions were about Shane Doan. So really the dominating news of the day and, and really huge for the Coyotes to bring back in Shane Doan, especially I think after the way things ended for Doan um, under the last regime regime, right? I mean, under John Chaika, I, I think fans thought that Dome maybe was shafted a little bit. I mean, the story that we got was there was a, a breakfast or a lunch meeting between Chaika and Dome, and it ended with Dome walking out of the restaurant before, you know, I think anybody or, you know, those two were done talking for lack of a better term. So 
Um, really good to see with the new regime, both in the ownership category and in the GM category, Doan's back in the fold, and that's huge for hockey in Arizona. Yeah, so good point. You, you we, mentioned. Uh, Hold on one second. Hold on one second, Zach. I'll let you jump in. Uh, I was going to lead you in on this one, but uh, uh, Zach and I were talking, Seth, before you came on about uh, he, he saw H A Y last name on a, a jersey, and he said, "Oh my God, that guy did get bigger, faster, stronger." He saw John Hayden. Not Barrett Hayton on Friday night. <laughs> Explain to us that one, and I let and let Zach uh, jump in as well. Yeah. So I mean, with Zach with John Hayden. Oh, I mean, okay, Seth, go ahead. The guy. Who... Oh, sorry. Well, Zach, go ahead. What were you about to ask? No. Well, I was going to say with the dome thing. Can we presume that with Chaika now gone, that uh, that kind of led him into accepting this new role? Yeah, so, yeah, before jumping on John Hayden, I think, yeah, it, I, I wonder if how much of it had to do with, you know, the GM situation as much as it was the ownership situation, right? I mean, I think it, uh, a little akin to what the Cardinals might be going through in this upcoming offseason, right? I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, a legend, a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, you know, synonymous with the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they paid him $11 million this last year. And if Larry Fitzgerald wants to come back and he wants that price, you know, are the Cardinals going to want to pay him, especially with, you know, under, you know, circumstances that aren't his own, what, what he went through this season. So I think that was maybe part of it for Shane Doan's side, right? I mean, I'm sure John Chico would love to have a guy like Shane Doan in the locker room, but with the direction they were going in the 2017 off season, I mean, for what Doan was asking, he wanted to play. He wanted to play a prominent role, and I don't think the Coyotes wanted to give him that. So it possibly could be, right? Because, again, new owners, new GM. But um, I think Shane Doan just loves this team. I think maybe he just wanted to take some time away from the game of hockey. Uh, I mean, look, he played – he was drafted in 95, uh, played on the Coyotes for, you know, nearly 20 years, and – yeah, it probably takes some time to spend with his family, right? Because, uh, you know, I've never been a professional athlete, and at this rate I never will be a professional athlete, but I can't imagine <laughs> you're on the road for nine, ten months of the year, right? And uh, just some time with his family. He said that he uh, ended up selling his ranch of ten years. He said that in the Zoom call today. So um, I think Doan's just, you know, took some time with his family and, and you know, just kind of living his life. And then I think it might be a little bit more of he's just – ready to get back into hockey and, and start a career in the front office. Seth, let me follow that up by saying, you know, it's no secret that he did spend some time working with the NHL uh, in, you know, behind the scenes type stuff and maybe learning some stuff about uh, the operations of hockey and um, define his new role for us. If you can, um, it sounds to me like he's going to be involved in a lot of things or at least have a say in a lot of things. Yeah, I think it almost is like an advanced ambassador role, if that makes any sense. I think it's one of those where um, he's going to help out, you know, grow the game in Arizona. I, I mean, again, who who better than to help that? Um, I think he'll probably learn some things on the scouting side, um, you know, and, and in different categories. So. Um, his official title is the chief development officer. So I assume it's going to be a mix of, you know, learning scouting and maybe the GM side of things on top of developing the game in Arizona. I mean, the coyotes and is particularly Javier Gutierrez are always talking about, you know, working towards building the game in Arizona and, and grabbing a fan base and what Xavier or Javier Gutierrez always says, you know, the coyotes fan and waiting, and, you know, Shane Doan can really bring out a lot of those Coyotes fans in waiting. Not only that, but hockey players in waiting as well. Yeah, because we've seen a big growth in, in players coming from Arizona. Um, and the thing that I noticed about him the most, uh, like I said before, was the uh, how willing he is to take the time for the kids. Uh, do you think that we're going to see the youth program grow uh, with Shane Doan, like you had said, as kind of like uh, uh, 
ambassador, uh, you didn't say on steroids, but that's what I'll say, an ambassador on steroids uh, for the Coyotes building that youth program to try and get the, the younger fans? I don't know how much it is going to be on the youth program as much as it's going to be about like growing the game and growing the rinks, right? It might not directly be getting kids into hockey or things of that nature, but um, currently I work at AZ Ice Peoria, and I was told by a couple of the Zamboni drivers about a week back that Shane Doan made a surprise appearance at AZ Ice Peoria and actually asked the drivers to take a look at the compressor room and, and kind of the way the rink was set up. So, you know, I they didn't really say, you know, what he was there for and I guess he you know didn't really explain it but I mean it seems like Shane Doan is going around different rinks in Arizona and you know taking time and and looking at the rinks and and what's what the setup is at at rinks again I can only speak on what happened at Peoria I don't know if he's been anywhere else but you know I think it's when you talk about hockey it's almost beyond the youth program right because I think that's where a lot of people get caught up when you say grow the game okay you grow the game of hockey and you get kids into playing things like that but from a business standpoint, who spends money? It's not the kids, right? The kids don't have their jobs. It's about getting everybody involved. It's about getting the parents hooked, parents playing adult hockey, parents wanting to come out to the games, right? You can grab the kids' attention all they want, but at the end of the day, those kids can turn on the t- – you know, the parents can just say turn on the TV and watch the game, especially with the way, you know, TV contract rights and the access that people have it a little bit easier than, say, 10, 15 years ago in terms of accessing games, so – um, yeah, I mean, I think it'll help grow the youth programs, but it's also about growing the rinks and, and growing the adult viewership and, and participation in the sport of hockey as well. That's very well put, uh, Seth. And I want to flip things a little bit here and talk about the roster. You and I sat down Friday night, did a great feature on our Sunday special, which uh, I thank you for because that was great insight. Um, uh, we can talk about the roster in three different parts. We can go forward, defense, goaltending. A lot of times you want to build your team from the goal out, and I'm not taking that away, but uh, where I think the Coyotes need to make the biggest jump, and I hope you agree with me on this, is that they need to start finishing and putting the puck in the net. And uh, they went out and got some bigger bodies. They got some guys that can score. Uh, they got big uh, or bigger up the middle, it looks like, at the center position, and they have a lot of flexibility. Any of those statements true, false, or what do you think? Yeah, I think they're all true if you take your words literal, right? Bigger bodies, guys that can score. Okay, that's great. If they can score, they need to score. And so, I mean, you know, I can put on my socks in the morning, but will I do it? Eh, who knows, right? Like, everybody has these cans <laughs> that they're able to do. So, for the Coyotes, like, they have to be able to – do what they, you know, what they can do. And for the Coyotes, I think maybe at times a little unlucky from a analytics perspective, right? When you look at shooting percentage and expected goals for and things. I mean, I think there was just times where the Coyotes, it just felt like they ran into a hot goaltender. Now, is that because guys just don't have the finishing touch or is it because they were playing a hot goaltender? Like, I think, you know, when you run into a hot goaltender three, four nights in a row, maybe it's something on you, but uh, for the Coyotes, I think it's just finished. Like it's not like it was five, six years ago where they. It wasn't even like they were getting the opportunities to score and win games. Like they're getting the opportunities, they're just not putting them away. So, um, it, it it needs to come from the defense too. When you, uh, you know, I asked Rick Tockett today about you know they've had the same defensemen, really the same six, seven defensemen for the last four seasons, and he said, yeah, you know, it, it's nice because these guys know how to play with each other. But he also said. You know, he's talked to the defensemen and said that they need more offense from the back end. And, I mean, Oliver Ekman Larson hasn't had the greatest offensive seasons in the past. Uh, you know, guys like Goligoski are known for their offense. Chikrin stepped it up uh, in terms, I think, of creating chances, maybe not the numbers, uh, you know, off the charts in terms of goals and assists, but I think Chikrin made a really good step forward offensively last year. So they have guys that are known and, and have track records of producing offense. They – they just need to get those guys back to form. And again, I mean, we talk about this defense core. This could be the last year they're all together, right? Jarmelson's deal is expiring soon, you know, after next year. Same thing with Goligoski, you know, Demers as well. So um, this is really the last go for this core defensively. And it could be the same in the goaltending, right? I mean, if you really believe in Aiden Hill, 
Um, like we talked about in the Sunday special, I think it's time to make a decision on Auntie Ronta. Like I said, I think he'll be off the roster by the end of the year, whether it's because they're out of the playoff race and, and you know, there's a, a borderline team that needs a goaltender or just because they're trying to create cap space. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Coyotes have guys that can score. They just need to do it. So, so with the offense, like you're talking about the scoring, um, looking at it, I mean, presumably Hayden Keller and Kessel and Smoltz, they're probably going to rely on those guys heavily. Um, we didn't get to see Hayden, uh, Hayden there, T-O-N, not D-E-N. Um, we saw Keller. What did you see from Kessel? What What did you see out of his game now that he is considered fully healthy in that scrimmage? Um, he was good. I mean, you and I were taking photos uh, right down that same right wing when he took that shot and scored. So I think he has his scoring touch back, his confidence back a little bit. But again, it's not going to matter until he gets on the ice in a game situation, right? So, I mean – Look, they said he came in fully healthy this year, which last year I think he was he was a little nicked up. That like we were told uh, before the bubble started that he was you know maybe recovering from some things. Um, so I, I think that's a, a good sign. Um, and I mean, with you know Taylor Hall leaving, this team is kind of back to where they were, you know, before the Taylor Hall trade, where they were in first place. And again, obviously, when you look at the circumstances they had played really a handful of games more than anybody else in the Pacific division at that point in the season, but they were still riding in first place. And, you know, to, to think if Phil Kessel was just a, even a little bit better in that stretch, they could have built a, an eight, 10 point lead over anybody in that division. So even if he can step his game up from what it was last year, just, you know, add five, six goals in, in a two, three week span, or, you know, push the Coyotes over the edge, kind of like Taylor Hall did when he first got here, you know, over the edge, in getting a couple extra wins, like that's all you can really ask for at this point from Phil Kessel. But um, with what you said, you know, Nick Schmaltz is going to be relied on heavily, obviously, um, you know, the hit from Ryan Reeves in the exhibition game in the bubble, you know, kept him out. Um, I think he's going to line with Drake Kajula uh, just because they were teammates. Um, but I think Connor Garland's going to be asked for a lot too, right? Like I think, this year is going to be huge for Barrett Hayden and Connor Garland. I think not that Garland is necessarily on the bubble, but just, you know, obviously they're going to want him to take the next step forward. So, um, you know, Barrett Hayden, uh, this is really his prove it year. And I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it's a prove it year or he's cut or whatever, but right. Like the Coyotes got a lot of flack for drafting him, you know, fifth overall when, um, you know, Quinn Hughes was on the board and obviously we've seen what Quinn Hughes has turned into. Um, so again, not that there's, I think like an immense amount of pressure because it takes a long time for players to develop in the NHL. These kids get drafted at 18 years old and it's just so hard to tell really what they're going to be, unless you get a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby or a Kale McCarr. Um, I don't even know if people thought Quinn Hughes was going to be as good as he is this quickly. So, um, it's going to be big for Barrett Hayton. Um, but yeah, I think with Kessel back and healthy, um, adding Kajula is going to be huge. You know, having a guy like Derek Broussard anchor your anchor your third line. Um, the Coyotes could be uh, really in poise for getting some extra scoring help that they really lacked at the end of last season. Okay, so when I look at the roster, Seth, I see uh, two guys with birth years uh, in the two thousands, and uh, no longer is Barrett Hayton the youngest guy on the roster. At least when I uh, look at it today. Uh, he's a 2000 birth year. Victor Soderstrom coming off a very good World Junior Championships. He is on the roster right now. A uh, 2001 birth year out of Sweden. Um, I thought Victor was pushing to try to get a spot last training camp. Uh, has he made strides? And do you think he's going to make a jump and get a spot to uh, to be a part of this roster? I don't think right away partially due to the fact that he was in Edmonton for the world junior championships. Right. I mean, guys can tear up in junior left and right. That doesn't necessarily mean they will be great NHL players. And I just don't think he's going to get enough of an opportunity to show that he's ready for the NHL. Right. And it's tough because again, in a normal year, which nothing has been normal in, you know, nearly 365 days, 
you know, obviously he's going to get a chance to play in the preseason and have a full training camp. And then whether he makes it or not, he'll go to the world juniors in December, halfway through an NHL season this year, the world juniors are in the middle of training camp and he's got to follow protocol. So I just, I don't see it happening right away. Um, mostly because it's going to be a 56 game sprint. And I think they're going to want to play guys that they can trust a little bit more in the NHL, right? Like, are you going to have a guy, you know, like Victor Soderstrom play his first game in a winner go home situation when you have other guys that have played in the NHL, maybe, maybe not. Right. I mean, obviously I'm not the coach. I'm not in the meeting rooms, but um, you know, you have to feel that uh, who's next in line. I think Kyle Capobianco will be, I mean, it, it's an interesting situation too, because Ilya Labushkin is still having some immigration issues getting into the United States. And, you know, that was something that was talked about right at the beginning of training camp. And all of a sudden you're, you know, less than a week away from your first game. I mean, it's it's here. It's three days away. And you're going to be without, you know, your seventh defenseman. And, you know, depending on the night or injuries, he's your sixth defenseman. So I think a guy like Kyle Capobianco slides into that, partially because he's played in the NHL before, but I also think they want to see what he's got, um, especially after his injury from a couple seasons back. Um, and then after that, it might be Soderstrom. I don't know if Jordan Gross would be the next guy, but I think Soderstrom, he's there. He's close. I think they want to see what he's got, but I just, I don't see with, with what they have this year, him making a debut, unless there's just an incredible amount of injuries, which I mean, knock on wood, cause we've said that before and the Coyotes injury list is read like a novel ever. before. <laughs> so, um, I just, I think that the Coyotes are, have a lot of defensive depth, but I think next year, again, with all those expiring contracts coming up, I have cap friendly open. Like we talked about, it's Gar- uh, Goligoski, Jarmelson, um, Jason Demers, Jordan Osterley, and Ilya Labushkin are all unrestricted free agents at the end of this year. So uh, the Coyotes obviously aren't going to have enough cap to keep some of these guys. I mean, Goligoski is 35. It's would even be remain to be seen if he would want to come back and play NHL hockey after this season. Um, so I think next year is the year that Soderstrom – gets his opportunity. So I wonder if the Coyotes just kind of play it safe this year and say, look, we'll put him on the taxi squad. He'll practice with the team, you know, get that NHL practice experience. And then come next year, it's his job to lose in terms of getting a a top six spot. So, so let me ask you this, Seth, Uh, putting on your, I'll take my GM hat off and put it on, on you. So April 12th is now the trade deadline. Where do you think the Coyotes need to be in a in, as far as the standings go before they look at it and say, okay, we're either going to make some acquisitions to try and get better or because of the way they're capped right now, do you think they, if they're outside of the playoffs, do they try and move Ekman Larson, potentially Kessel, potentially – you know, depending on how Hayden pans out, do you think there's a possibility of them moving these key players and retooling and getting ready for next year? I think it's really hard to get ready and retool for next year when you just you don't have those guys in the pipeline, right? I mean, Hayden is going to be you know a guy they're going to look to develop more. Soderstrom. Um, but also, you know, a guy like Jan Yannick. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, it's kind of thin coverage down in Tucson uh, when you talk about prospects. So, again, I think Auntie Ranta gets dealt at some point, whether they're in it or they're out of it. Um, I, I think the Coyotes are going to benefit on just because of what division they're in. Um, I mean, it's three cup contenders. And, and in reality, I mean, everybody talks about St. Louis as a cup contender. And, you know, I obviously won the Stanley Cup two years ago, but the way they finished last season, I just don't see them being as good. I think they're still a top three team in that division, but I just, I don't know if I'd make them one of my Stanley Cup favorites right now, right? Like, they're a really good team. I think they're like middle, you know, they're in that middle tier, but I just, you know, they might be overhyped, but, you know, for the Coyotes, they really benefit from, you know, okay, so you got to play Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis, really tough matchups. But who's below you? A rebuilding Anaheim, San Jose, who is almost in a worse situation than the Coyotes in terms of they don't really have anybody 
you know, in their system that would help them right now, but they really don't have anybody to trade for, right? I mean, just bloated contracts up and down that lineup um, that would just make it difficult to move. And you trade for Devin Dubnik, but I mean, you know, obviously Dubnik playing on Minnesota didn't help, but I don't know if I would say San Jose's defense is exponentially better than Minnesota's. So, um, and then obviously Minnesota in that division, I think Minnesota is going to have a real tough year this year. Um, and then the Kings, obviously, I think they're just going to throw their young guys out there. I think you're going to see uh, a Kings and the way the Kings have built and the way Rob Blake has put that team together. I mean, the Kings might be bad this year and potentially next year, but if they just say, all right, we're going to play all of our young guys, that team's going to be dangerous. So the Coyotes are going to benefit. I think they're going to get that four seed, but I think with the way their roster is constructed, I just don't know. You know, so okay, you're in that four seed, you're in that position, but is it worth trading? You don't really have anything to trade with. You have two second round picks, and that's about it. You don't have your first rounder. You know, unless you want to trade Hayton or Soderstrom or even Unique just to get a, a rental player to get out of the first round or out of the second round. Like, I just don't know if it's worth it. So I think the Coyotes almost stand pat no matter what, unless like they're really in the doghouse and, you know, they're. You know, they lose their first 10 games of the year and all of a sudden, like, it's, you know, you're pushing the panic button a little bit. But I just – I see the Coyotes making the, the 4C, but I don't see them making any major roster moves to go all out this year because I don't think they feel that they're in a position that they're a serious cup contender. Which okay, they so could potentially point... lose oh, go ahead, those so... first – sorry, they could potentially lose those first 10 games. I mean, if you look at it, San Jose – yeah, I mean, future-wise, doesn't look bright, but they could come out firing. The Ducks could also come out firing, but you've got Vegas for four games, and then after that, you, you've got St. Louis. So it'll be interesting. Like, I never thought of it the way you had just presented it as far as you've got Colorado and Vegas, which are going to be vying for Stanley Cup, but now you've got Anaheim and L.A. who are going to be um, – in that young guns boat. So that's, that's a pretty good way to look at it. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, don't call me that. Mm. <laughs> you call me Paul. <laughs> I know I'm looking, I'm looking at my screen right now. I'm looking at my screen right now. And okay. I've got two faces staring back at me. It's you and Paul. It's just, it's a Monday. I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we always have to have a good laugh. Okay, so, uh, so so Seb, one thing that's unique to the Arizona Coyotes, and I think they are they the only one now that are allowing twenty five percent of their uh, fan base to come in. And do you know how people are able to get tickets? Is there a protocol? How does that work? Uh, so it looks like Tampa Bay rescinded their um, you know their stance on allowing people to come in. Um, I from what I've seen, it still looks like the Florida Panthers are going to allow team or fans in. Um, and it also looks like Dallas, despite their COVID outbreak, um, is going to allow fans in. Um, so I haven't really seen a, a protocol on what they're going to do with tickets. Uh, I saw some Coyotes fans posting about how on StubHub, uh, there's tickets going for like $750 each. I mean, obviously it's a resale market. It doesn't, it looks like the coyotes are offering their tickets up to the season ticket holders first, which, you know, despite all the jokes or, you know, whatever about attendance and fans or whatever, there's, you know, there's obviously more than 2,000, 2,500 coyote season ticket holders and they're dying to see the coyotes play. So from what it looks like, it looks like the coyotes are, um, offering to season ticket holders. And again, I don't think the season ticket holders are going to pass anytime soon. So um, unless you can get your hands and you really want to see the Coyotes that bad, you you might be uh, a little down on your luck in terms of getting into the building this year. The obvious question to that also, and I'll quickly follow that up, is uh, Vegas and, and Arizona have been kind of force-fed a uh, – and we talked about this, a rivalry that really is wasn't probably going to materialize uh, with uh, had things not gone crazy with COVID and the uh, Coyotes moving to the Central Division or 
uh, whatever division they were headed to. Um, the but Honda now, division. Well, now yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So, so now they're going to drive themselves right back. And what division are we now? Uh, we're going right. to stay put. Do you think a rivalry can develop between Vegas and Arizona quickly? And part two to that question is, uh, are the Vegas fans who are starved to see their team play going to do whatever they can to try to get those tickets out of the hands of Coyotes fans and get them in Golden Knight fans? Um, I think the rivalry will come quickly just because the amount of times that you're playing. I think what you saw, you know, we're going to get in the time machine and go back, you know, eight, nine years ago when the Coyotes played the Kings in the Western Conference Finals. There wasn't too much of a rivalry per se, but, you know, those two teams were battling for a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. It got ugly in just a five-game stretch. And, you know, over the next three, four years, I think it's it's calmed down a little bit now. But, you know, when all those guys, you know, Shane Doan and Oliver ekman Larson and Dustin Brown and Drew Doughty, you know, a lot of those guys were still leftover pieces. They hated each other. And it's what you and I talked about a little bit um, in the Sunday special about, you know, is, is there going to be payback for Ryan Reeves' hit? I mean, I don't know if somebody's going to jump off the bench and, you know, try to pull Reeves' jersey over his head, but I think it's going to get a lot more personal than it was over the last two years. And again, it's just it, these two teams are in different situations, right? Like I don't think anybody saw the Vegas Golden Knights going to the Stanley Cup in the first year and, and still being cup contenders after that. Um, and, and the Coyotes, I think, maybe falling a little bit short of their rebuild goals. And, you know, you hate to say it, maybe on the verge of another rebuild. Um, but I think just because of how quickly they're going to, play and how often they're going to play. Yeah. It's going to turn into a rivalry on your question about the tickets. I, again, are do our Knights fans, you know, going to throw down $2,000 for three tickets to see the Knights play. I, I don't know. I don't know to play Maybe. one game. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I, I get I will it. Or do anything to get out of the house right now. <laughs> and, and I will also tell you, right. I, we're, we're just came down from the Nevada governor that they are shelter in place again for another month. So uh, they're not going to be having anything going on there uh, for another month. We'll be in Vegas uh, yeah, next week. So uh, we'll probably get a little uh, more in depth into it then. But I, I think that part's going to be interesting. A uh, final one for me, and then if Zach's got one more, he can throw it at you. But the final one for me, Seth, is uh, we have a new team coming in uh, at the end of the season. It's going to be in Seattle, the Kraken. What do you think is going on in the heads of the Kraken right now? And what do you think they would be looking for in this season to prepare themselves to uh, build a roster for next year? Um, I, I think they're just going to look at who's available, right? I think when you just take a look back at what Vegas did in their draft, I mean, it was pretty clear there was going to be a goalie available just because of the way Matt Murray played um, in that Stanley Cup final. And, uh, you know, how he kind of took over the goaltending job. So it's not every day a Hall of Fame goaltender hits the market in, a, in an expansion draft. Um, and I think a lot of teams are going to be a lot more wary of trading to avoid having the team take a player, right? I mean, the perfect example is the Columbus Blue Jackets traded away a draft pick basically saying, hey, if we give you this draft pick, you cannot pick Sonny Milano. Well, they go out and get William. They say, okay, well, we'll just take William Carlson. And he booms into the star. <laughs> and Sonny Milano, who I think can still be a great NHL player, is now on the Anaheim Ducks. So I think a lot more teams are going to be wary of, uh, okay, you know, sure, they might take one of our guys, but look, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of teams that got bit this last time around. So I think Seattle is going to take a, a hard look at who's going to be available. And I think they're also going to have to kind of maybe come to terms with, we're not going to be getting as sweet of deals as Vegas did because Vegas almost ruined the system. So, but again, they I, did. are they going to end up with a good goaltender? Yeah. But are they going to end up, you know, even when you look at goaltending, a guy like Auntie Ronta is going to be on the market and, you know, with his injury history, I don't know how many teams are going to be, chomping at the bit to sign into a long-term deal where Seattle might be, Hey, we just picked up three backup goaltenders because nobody is looking to depart with them. And we'll just give auntie, auntie Ronto a long contract. And then he turns into an animal again. And look, auntie Ronto is a really good goaltender. I don't want to pretend like he's not, it's just struggles to stay in the lineup a little bit. But uh, again, 
So I think Seattle is going to take a harder look at, you know, who's going to be available and, and also have to come to terms with, look, I don't think we're going to get as sweet of a deal. And we're just going to have to kind of play the cards that were dealt. And, you know, sometimes those cards aren't going to be bad, but they're not going to be able to trade them in for all aces. So leading into that, who do you think is a likely candidate to be taken from the Coyotes going to Seattle? If the if the draft was this like if the draft was this past offseason, I would have said it's it's one of the defensemen, right? Goligoski, Demers, maybe even Jarmelson. Um, but now I mean there's a lot of expiring contracts. When you look at the forward group, there's a ton of one-year contracts left. Uh, you know, they gave John Hayden a one-year contract, Dryden Hunt a one-year contract, um, Frederick Gautier a one-year contract, uh, and they just announced that that he's going to stay this year. Obviously, that got done today. And then Drake Kajula is going to be an, uh, a UFA. So it kind of depends on what the Coyotes want to do in terms of who they're going to bring back forward-wise. Um I, I think right now maybe Tyler Pitlick would be the best get, right? Like, again, I you'd have to see who gets kept in terms of the forward group. It's so hard to tell. I think the Coyotes are going to protect Oliver ekman Larson and Jacob Chikrin. But after that, I think defensively they, they kind of just don't care. Again, everybody else is on a one-year deal. The Coyotes are riding a ton of one-year deals. So it might almost turn into a situation, you know, just like it was last time around, like, you know, Tamu Polkinen was the guy who Vegas chose, and that's because the Coyotes just didn't have anybody to protect. So almost really nice the way things are kind of turning for the Coyotes in terms of the contracts and, and who's going to be available. But right now, if I had to make a choice, um, it, it would be Tyler Pitlick. So there you go. There's there's the bright spot in this, them losing a player. They kind of get to control who it is Seattle gets to take because of their contract situation. Right. I, it's just, again, you have to wait and see who they would want to resign, I guess. If, you know, maybe Christian Fisher or Johan Larson could also be likely candidates, but it, it's just so hard to tell because the Coyotes, I mean, looking at Cap Friendly, again, a great website, the Coyotes, you know, they're listed as seven defensemen right now Ekman Larson, Galagasi, Jarmelson, Chikrin, Demers, Osterley, and Labushkin five of those seven guys are all on the final year of their contract. So, you know, the Coyotes almost might play a game where they just kind of leave the cupboards bare. And then once, once Seattle kind of makes their choice, they, they fill them back up. And I mean, obviously that's a little bit of a dangerous strategy, but again, I mean, it, it might be a youth movement next year in Arizona, just depending on who they want to keep and, and how they want to manage uh, their defensive position. Yeah, that's uh, th- that's all good points, uh, Seth. I-, I only hope that Stephen and I can do this well with the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, and and Zach and I can do this well with the uh, Colorado Avalanche because you brought it tonight, my friend. Uh, great in depth stuff uh, from the front office all the way to the goaltenders, the free agencies, and a potential expansion draft. So thank you for bringing it. Uh, we look forward to seeing all of your work this year. Uh, we may throw a little stuff at you from the Roadrunners. Do you have any uh, closing closing thoughts on the Roadrunners starting the season and what you think they're going to be like? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting because of the tactic. Well, obviously, Jay Vardy getting called up to the NHL bench kind of changes things for the Roadrunners. And it's not like the Roadrunners were in a training camp and he got pulled up and all of a sudden they're running training camp with assistant coaches. But, um, again, it's going to be interesting – from the sense of what's your taxi squad look like? Are you going to roll three defensemen, right? Do you think Kyle Capobianco, Jordan Gross, and um, Victor Soderstrom are all going to be NHL ready if called upon? What do you do forward-wise? I mean, Jan Yannick uh, is going to be there, but you don't really have anybody else under him. I mean, maybe Michael Bunting. Um but uh, do you see, you know, Tyler Steenburgen was tearing it up in juniors a couple years back, but he's 23. Uh, you know, you didn't really see him at camp. I mean, is that somebody you, you think about? Right? I mean, Michael Chaput was there as well. So um, it, it, it's going to be tough just because, you know, I think Pro, Provetov is going to get a huge opportunity in Tucson because I, obviously I think Aiden Hill is going to stay on the taxi squad. Um, I actually, I think Aiden Hill is going to stay on, um, 
I think he's going to stay on the main team just because they don't want to throw him on waivers and risking a, a team who, you know, a team like mate, let's say Ottawa or Detroit, who feels like they've got an okay roster, maybe not playoff ready, but would give themselves a ton of a better chance to win night in night out with Aiden Hill than what their current goaltending situation is. So if that's the case, you have to have a goaltender on the taxi squad. Is that going to be Prozvetsov? Are you going to hold David Tendick up? Are you going to sign a goaltender? I mean, as of now, they only have a million dollars in cap space. So are you just going to grab a veteran goaltender and, you know, sign him for $800,000 just to keep on the taxi squad just in case. And uh, so Tucson's going to look a lot different. It, again, it's, it's going to look different for everybody around the AHL, but the Coyotes are going to have a lot of choices to make between do we want to keep guys up and practice at the NHL level, but not get any game action versus do we want to send guys down and get game action, but make it really difficult to get them up to the NHL if we really need them. Very well done, my friend. Uh, stay tuned, folks. Uh, get to the website, icetimehockeysw.com. Read Seth's work. Uh, listen to his uh, interview skills, which are awesome. Uh, great job you did with uh, uh, Javier Gutierrez and uh, that interview at the uh, as I like to, I kidded you because I said you like to sit there and watch paint dry, but that was quite an experience as well. So congratulations on that. We look forward to hearing all your stuff, and we're going to dig at you again when it comes time to do our uh, February previews for the, uh, the Tucson Roadrunners. So put your thinking cap on for that one, okay? Will do. I'll uh, hopefully get some uh, better information, and we'll get a better look at what Tucson <laughs> looks like, and we'll get their season underway as well. All right, folks, that's our own beat writer for the Arizona Coyotes, Seth Askelson, joining us, giving us some really good stuff. We're going to take a quick break. Zach and I will be back to wrap up another edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly in two minutes. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? We've all been there. We know what kind of gift to get someone, but sometimes it can be too hard to make sure that the gift is the right size or style. So we shrug our shoulders and try to think of something else. Well, if that person is the hockey player in your life, the answer is easy. A gift certificate or a gift card to behind the mask hockey shops. Whether you go to any of our three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com, our gift cards are the perfect solution. Sports equipment, especially hockey equipment, has to feel right to the user. And the Behind the Mask gift card allows you to show the player how much you care and lets them pick out what's right for them, whether we're talking about sticks, gloves, skates, or more. Pick one up today at any of our Behind the Mask locations in Gilbert, Peoria, or Scottsdale, or at BehindTheMask.com. All right, we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Every Monday night, presented by the D Las Vegas, the D Hotel and Casino, uh, where we will be calling home for the uh, next week or so as we look forward to, to that in Las Vegas. Um, Zach, uh, when we talk about uh, professional hockey getting started, I know we got just a couple of minutes left here to, to get this in, but and we'll do our in-depth preview next week with Vegas, and then we'll do uh, Colorado after that. But uh, anything uh, newsworthy that you've seen in the Colorado front? Um, I mean, they sent 11 players down, uh, to the AHL. I think, uh, none of them particularly that's surprising, um, considering the talent that they've got on their front roster. Uh, I think they've got everybody back on the ice. And then of course, today they announced the outdoors game versus the golden Knights at Lake Tahoe on February 20th. Um, so I think that's going to be, I think it's going to be a really exciting event. I would really look to see them capitalize on that event being outdoors 
and getting a lot of fans in there. Um, specifically like what we'd saw within football, them being able to, to host more fans than just 25% capacity uh, because it is outdoors. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest, the biggest news grabber this uh, over the past week um, is it was confirmed that uh, they'll be playing at Lake Tahoe February 20th. So, um, but yeah, other than that, it, it looks like it's, it's business as usual. They're, They've got Sod and Landeskog and uh, Grubauer back on the ice, so um, you know I, I think it, we can look to see them make a, a pretty deep run and get off to a fast start when uh, the season starts for them, which I believe is the fourth. No, it's the thirteenth against the Blues. Okay, so when we talk about the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, they also. Uh, I made some transactions today, and I know you were kind of excited because you texted me and said, uh, hey, there's a couple of guys we get to see when the AHL with Jack Dugan and, of course, Peyton Krebs and, and Caden Korzak. Uh, there's an, and Dylan Ferguson, Logan Thompson, the two goaltenders. Uh, Jimmy Schultz will be on that roster as well. So the Henderson Silver Knights have uh, got a little firepower coming their way. It's going to be fun to watch them as well. Yeah, I think we can look to – uh, look at Henderson as being a potential uh, uh, deep run at the Calder uh, Calder Cup, right? The AHL's trophy. Uh, yeah, correct, correct. Okay, yeah. So I it's I said Calder, and I was like Rookie of the Year. Hold on. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right on both fronts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think we can look at, at Henderson if if they keep the squad intact and don't have to do any emergency call-ups or anything like that as, as having a potential run at those playoffs and potentially at the, the Calder cup. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see Krebs, uh, especially after seeing him in the world juniors, him play there. And then Jack Dugan. Uh, I mean, I, I always love seeing the college kids make the jump into, uh, into the big league. So um, yeah, seeing Dugan and then uh, hopefully along the lines, we'll see our own, um, uh, Desert Southwest or South, Hockey Southwest uh, four-year resident of Brinson Pashnuk be able to maybe crack the San Jose Sharks roster. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's I think Vegas is going to have a really interesting uh, AHL team, and I think they're going to come out swinging when uh, February fifth comes around. Well, we'll kind of wrap it up on this. I think we all know that with a 56-game schedule and it crammed into uh, 115, 116 days, something like that, um, teams are going to have to come out firing right off the get-go because you lose, uh, like you, you kind of alluded to, if somebody were to lose 10 games, their first 10 games and start 0-10, it's over pretty much. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be hard to make that up. So you're going to want to rack up as many wins as you can, as quickly as you can. And I think yeah. uh, both Colorado and Vegas and I think Arizona might surprise some teams. But, man, oh, man, when you look at the rosters in Colorado and Vegas, it's uh, if they stay healthy, it's going to be a real battle down the stretch. Yeah, and I think this definitely shows the fact that, you know, the NHL isn't trying to fix games because or, or fix ratings or, or fix anything. Because if they wanted to do that, they would have put Vegas and Colorado in two separate divisions. Um, because having those, the, the two best teams in the NHL, um, I, I think in the same division is going to be a really, uh, it's going to be a really good knockdown drag out fight. Um, so, you know, I, you also have Boston, the other, I don't want to seem too much of a West coaster, but you have Boston and then the Islanders. Oh, go ahead. Other. It's time. It's time for us to speak about the West coast. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i it's you know it, it's just this year's gonna be weird it's gonna be so weird in the fact that you're gonna have eight teams playing each other all 56 games so it's ah, man it's gonna be one heck of a year and i'm excited to see how uh how it starts out in a couple days all right, well, we'll end it on that note, and we'll let everybody know that they uh, need to continue to uh, listen to the Quad Pod of Hockey Podcasts. We have the uh, 7.30 time slot, Mountain Time, Sunday through Wednesday, Locked Up. We're live always on the Podbean app. Next week, we will be at the uh, D Las Vegas, the hotel and casino there. Uh, Bar Canada, 
four nights at Bar Canada and one little special Instagram live on Saturday night as the Vegas Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks do battle. It's going to be so much fun to be there uh, and get things rolling. We want to thank Seth Askelson for joining us tonight, our very own uh, Coyotes beat reporter. Uh, great insight from Seth. Uh, he's uh, dug in and uh, knows what's going on with the Arizona Coyotes. So we just hope that the rest of us can do our part. So, all right, Zach, take it away. All right. So Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Roger Klein's Canción Tequila, ultra smooth, Arizona owned. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and try our original cocktail recipes. Voted the best Ford dealer in Arizona, Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, is the presenting partner of the Sunday special. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey SW sent you to see the top-selling line of Ford trucks and more. The D. Las Vegas Resort and Casinos. From Fremont Street Experience to the iconic American Coney Island Restaurant, we are more than just great gaming action. Book your spot at the D.com. Verizon, the 5G and the 5D Ultra Band for business that America has been waiting for. Buy summer skates, fall, winter, it doesn't matter. We still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the summer skates banner. Buy Behind the Mask and behindthemask.com where, where we can provide for all your hockey needs on the ice or in line. See the website or our three valley locations for more. Whether it's playoff time or any time, it's always time for the best barbecue in Las Vegas. Call us at 1-702-541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, it's all about the butt. Monday is not only Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, it's also Gym Day. Uh, go to, to mdrive.com, mdriveformen.com. Use promo code ICETIMESW at checkout for 20% off. MDrive for energy, stamina, and recovery. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly and all your Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app, available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcast. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. We will say goodnight on that note. And uh, just a reminder, folks, NHL hockey is back Wednesday night and uh, and then pretty much every night from there on out <laughs> all the way till July 4th. Uh, get to IcetimeHockeySW.com for all your coverage. Listen to us here at Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly every Monday night. Tune in to all of our podcasts, the Quad Pod of Hockey Podcasts, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time, Sunday through Wednesday. Okay, that's it, Zach. Have a good night. Next time we hear from you, it'll be Las Vegas. Sounds like a plan.